My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. You hear that? Your dog knows spring is coming sooner than you think. Dog walks, dog parks, playing fetch, all the stuff your dog loves to do with you. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas and ticks are in the grass, in the woods, and even on their dog friends. Fleas are an itchy nuisance, can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot, but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMeds has your furry friend protected with the best products to prevent flea and ticks all year long. PetMeds pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including NexGuard, Simperica, and more. And PetMeds AutoShip helps you save even more with additional discounts on regular shipments of PetMeds, dog food, and other high-quality supplies. So get ready for all the spring fun now. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com and promo code PODCAST. This is NFL Nuts. Sunday with Ryan Hannibal, Kirk Minahan, Rich Keefe, and Christian Fourier. The ultimate football podcast. Let's get started with NFL Nuts. Sunday. Now here's Ryan Hannibal. All right, first up, it's been a little little while, Kirk. Kirk Minahan, good to have you back on, on the show, Kirk. Thrilled to be on today. I'm not going to lie to you. Yesterday, Alex Reamer was really talkative during that Tom Brady interview. I think he stumped him with a lot of his questions. Well, I, 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 can I, before we get to that, can I get to my issue with you? Is that, is that allowed or no? Yeah, why not? Uh, we had a long talk a couple of weeks ago, a good talk, good outside-the-box talk. And you cut a bunch of shit out. I'm, I'm not lying to you. Uh, I think you would acknowledge I'm the biggest star at the station. I, I will not participate in this interview anymore if any of my content is cut out of this podcast. Yes, I had a long discussion with my boss. That was a bad move on my part. Poor decision. You're, talk, you're, talk, you're, you're talking to your boss right now, right? This is true. I, I could hear you. That's why I blew you off a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Why, what, what, is the, what is the thought process behind that? What is the instinct there? You're a smart guy. I know you listen to our show. I know you know it works. What is the what is the thought process? The instinct was that no one cares about me in the podcast. Bad instinct. The bad po- instinct. Po- bad instinct. All right, now I know. Now I know. Yeah, you so, you, you live and you learn. You live and learn in this business, and I've learned for the future. You know, don't cut out that stuff, especially when the when, about, when Kirk says. How about you and I? The first time we met yesterday, that was our first meeting, right? Was the- no, not true. We met at the uh, Super Bowl. I want to say. Last year? Yes. Not 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 for like a long time, but I think in, in, in yeah, passing. Yeah, I'm, I'm a grand long audience, obviously. Well, no. I don't. I don't. In Houston, I was sick of the dog that week. Oh my god! That's probably why you don't remember. I, I think you guys were on Radio Row like a break or something. It, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a long oh. conversation. There you go. Okay. Uh, yeah, Reamer was fantastic. I thought Reamer was active in the interview. I mean, I, to be fair, <clears throat> um, so when I first. Not when I first started as the third man permanently with John and Jerry, but after Meter left and they fired Kevin Winter, 
and they like flexed these guys in. I was one of them to try it out a little bit. Actually, it was before Kevin was hired in the uh, in the process at like the end of 2012 or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I would I sat in for a couple of Brady interviews and I didn't ask a question either because I didn't know. It's a weird spot. Jerry's interviewed Brady forever. This is my fifth or sixth year doing it with Brady now. So we have a rhythm going. Like I think it was the right move by Alex. I think if he went in and asked a question, Brady would be like, who is that? Right. And we'd make fun of him. Like It's sort of a no. It was worth, I thought it was worth Reamer asking Brady a question just so we could make fun of Reamer afterwards. But yep. uh, but he didn't do it. He did not He did not sack up, ironically. So there was, no, there was no say to Alex, you can't ask Tom a question that was strictly no. him on his own? Yeah. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're in there, like Jerry and I, I think there's sort of a rhythm where I ask a question to start it. Jerry asks like nine questions in a row. I ask like a semi-tough question. Jerry asks a couple of like ass-kissing questions. I ask a quarter-tough question. Jerry asks two lousy questions. I do the quarterback question, then we're done. Yeah. So Reamer didn't want to get in the middle of that. All right. Fair, fair enough. I, I, don't, I don't blame him. I did think you guys missed a couple of questions with him this week. I don't know if you guys thought you guys got as much out of him as you as you could have. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm willing to take all criticism from the man who wrote the uh, the genre-breaking, uh, enormous uh, thing that everybody in the city is talking about right now. The only thing between the Patriots and the Super Bowl is injuries. I mean, who knew that? What a take. That's right. That's right. It's true. Wow. It's I true. mean, like, you think if Brady gets hurt, the Patriots are in trouble? I'm not necessarily saying Brady. I just think the overall they're running running into trouble. Ooh. I know. Wow. But all right. Bold. Why why didn't you guys ask him about Garoppolo's first touchdown pass? Uh, Jerry Jerry said that after the interview. Here's what would happen. Fair question on your part. He'd be like, "Oh, that's great. I'm really happy for Jimmy. I didn't get a chance to see it, but I hope he's doing well." But it'd be the first time that he's really talked about Garoppolo since. I think he's been re- reluctant to talk about him. That's why. Do you, I would... do you think do you think he would do you think he would say anything? He'd give something along those lines, but you, you never know. Right. You never know. And no, then, y- y- yes, you do. Yes, you do. Go ahead. Doesn't hurt to ask, though. Doesn't hurt to ask. All right, go ahead. The other one could, could have asked about Michigan and John Har- Drum Harbaugh. Uh, I don't care. I know. I, I said that's a Dino, Jerry. I don't give a shit about that. Yeah, but I think like, you guys asked him people, last year. People, and he went on a good people, answer. People, you're asking me the question. People around here, Patriots fans, don't give a fuck where Tom Brady went to college. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care. I'm giving you my perspective. You might be right, but like, what's he going to say? Like, is he say, "Oh, I like Coach Harbaugh. He's doing a really good job. They'll be fine." But what, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't like Harbaugh? I think that because he's not going to say that. You know that he does like Harbaugh. He went there. He spoke to the team. He likes Harbaugh. He went there. He worked out with Harbaugh a couple of. He likes Harbaugh. I I agree, but maybe he he wanted to. I know you agree. I agree that he likes Harbaugh, but I still think you guys should have asked the question because it, it, oh. I think people, you need to think that people, you know, Michigan fans. Don't tell me. Don't tell me how to do my job. People do, do listen to the show and not just in Boston. So I think if he said something polarizing. I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't care about people listening to the show. You figure that out by now? I've, I've been learning. I've been learning. Jesus. Well, well what else? Um, I think I'm done with criticism from that interview. I did come across. I, it was just a couple of questions that I thought were, were left on the table. There really wasn't much to get into. Um, problem, did, is they, problem is they, they promise they, like, even like this week, you say to Ray, like, what happened on the snap? Like, you know, they roll every week. He has right. a quarterback rating, like, 115 every week. Are they going to beat Buffalo by 25 points? He's going to throw three touchdowns. We're going to do the same thing on Monday. I mean, you know, I, I, every week I think, because, you know, I've done this. I, 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 you've listened to him. How many times have I asked about Goodell and his contract this year? Four times? I mean, I could, yeah, like, you you're this, not. Yeah. Right, he's not. He's like there are certain things that you know, like he's just done. He's. Done, I think he, he and Jerry got into a decent thing in the middle of it about something. I forget what it was this week. 
I forget what it was too. It wasn't that interesting. I don't think. Oh, why did you why did you ask him about who he hates in the media? That's another thing. You knew he was going to say nothing. Oh, so okay, so that's an interesting question, but because I know he's going to say nothing, you sh- I shouldn't ask it. But yet you just acknowledge he was going to say nothing about the other ones. But I should ask it. Right. That's why I would much rather I would much rather take the one in one hundred chance that Brady says. He dislikes somebody in the media. Then one in one hundred chance he's going to rip Jim Harbaugh every single time. I'm not asking that he's going to rip Harbaugh just to get get him on the record about Michigan's losing straight to Ohio State, and then also. I mean, the- imagine, imagine if Brady had been like, you know what? I don't like that Ben Bowen. That would have been awesome, unbelievable. Well, it's true. You're right. The one in one hundred chance, but yeah, that's that's all I care about is people who hate each other. I mean, I don't care about anything else. Yep. So I came across your fantasy column in the Eagle Tribune. Oh, Rob Bradford gave that to you? No, I saw it in one of the parody accounts. I forget, I forget who it was that they came, they came across it. Um, yes, go ahead. How would you say your, your writing style evolved when you were back there to when you actually wrote for our website? Uh, I would say that, you know, I try to be as conversational as possible. I've always admitted I knew, knew very little about fantasy football. But as you know, like, when you're just trying to get in somehow, right, yep. you've you got to find, like, something that nobody else is writing about. At that time... Fantasy sports was still sort of an under, uh, I don't know if appreciate is the right word, but sort of a... Not covered? Nobody, yeah, and like, the, and like the, and others, these papers were like 55 years old, so they had no idea what was going on. So I, I thought, you know, I'll try and do it. I'll try and write it like Bill Simmons would write it. Uh, be conversational and see what happens. And they, you know, that was back, I, I don't know about you. Do, you, do you still enjoy like the process of writing or no? Yes, I do, but I think um, yeah. I'm so young that... I don't right. know anything else, but like, yeah, in ten, yeah, yeah, in ten yeah. years, maybe not. So that was at the point in my life where I was still writing some scripts. I was still, you know, uh, uh, writing that stuff. I was trying to figure out other stuff to write. I was trying to freelance, uh, do other things. I still really enjoy the process of sitting down and writing something. I couldn't, like, if I had to sit down and write a column today about anything, even something I'm passionate about, I would be, like, I'd be dumb. I got wrote both my the eulogies for my parents, and I was like, I think that's the last thing I'm ever going to write in my life. It broke me basically in half, and I was like, I don't ever want to write anything down on a piece of paper on a computer ever again for the rest of my life. Like I, I really do, you know. I did what what you did for a few years, where I would go to Foxborough and I would go to practice. I go to the games, the night games. You walk out of there at three in the morning. You've eaten your puppuccinos, had your pretzels, and your hot dogs, and your eleven sodas. And you think like, what have I, what have I done? What have I, what have I written that really matters? You know. Yeah. How's your approach to how things are done now? Do you think that people are doing the right thing with covering the team, or are there some things that you, you know, don't like? Um. I, I, I think like I think the Patriots beat is the toughest beat, and that like I don't know where. First of all, the access is so non-existent. Yeah. Really, I mean, really. And they're so good that I don't know where the criticism is. Like, with the Red Sox beat writers, obviously you shit on them because they defend David Price or the beat writers defend John Farrell, where you can have a real conversation. Where with the Patriots, like, I don't know, where's the, where's the criticism? Like, what are you going to criticize? Like, I don't, I don't know what, like, what's the big, the big thing a beat writer should be banged? Like, if you had to, if Rob sat you down and said, you know what, Ryan, uh, I want you to write, 750 words right now shitting on something involving the Patriots with the team. What would you do? No, I, I agree. I, I don't think I think I phrased the question right. Like the way that what what people write, like the way that these people approach games and what comes out of Gillette oh, Stadium. No, I don't after care. Games. Yeah, I don't. I don't. When you guys like when you guys are tweeting out shit during the game, like 
like actual game stuff, like a touchdown or uh, like somebody like a twenty-six yard play. I'm like, you have to realize if people care enough to be following you guys on Twitter, they're watching the games. Uh, like enough with that on Twitter. I would also say to you guys, stay off during the game. Like you got an injury update, fantastic. But other than that, fucking leave me alone. So what was your you know? what was your approach down there then? Um, my approach was always, you know, uh, with those. I would go in the opposing locker room. That was always I did that this thing. week. Carr and I were the only people over there. Like, I never understood, like, you'd be sitting around with 35 people waiting to talk to Danny Woodhead and, and I'd be, Patrick Chung, and I would say, well, you know, you have guys over there, Cromartie. This is when the Jets and the Patriots were serving that thing. You had Cromartie. Uh, you had Bart Scott. Then you played Baltimore. You had Sugg. I would go, you know, I'd travel, like, before the NFC Championship came out with the Baltimore. You know, you try and talk to Suggs, and you try and talk to Pollard, and you're playing the Jets, you try to try talk to Cromartie, you try to talk to Revis. Um, the other because the other teams can talk. The Patriots can't talk. Right. Uh, this week, but you know, you find it, a situation during the game where there's a fight, you know, um uh what's his face this week? Um McCain. Uh, Stills? Stills, yeah. Car and I talked to Stills, McCain right, right. And, and Landry. And right. it, it, to me it was a right. no brainer. Right. Stills, I'm sure you got much Stills said that he got in Brady's head. I mean not really, but he kinda said maybe he did. Like when you're, I'm not sure it's the most interesting thing in the world, but I understand that if you do a headline, Stills, I got in Brady's head, that's going to get clicked. That, you know, uh, Chung, quote, the defense is coming around. Uh, like, uh, you know, uh, no one's going to read it. Exactly. So that was always my – so that was my – I should say it was always my attitude, but it became – I began to understand uh, that that's what got read. And you, you do it long enough, and I feel like that's where – if you work for a website – you have a big lead over people who work for newspapers. Because people who work for newspapers uh, sometimes don't even know, don't even care what gets read or what clicks are. I always knew, and I think it's helped me in radio, honestly, I know what gets read and what gets consumed. You develop an instinct for it. You know. Um, and that's, that's, I think it served me well. But, yeah, that was always my attitude. You would never, I would never be at a Belichick press conference after the game. That, to me, is, except for my friend Steve Sanchez, who's going to join the show Friday. Yes. But, but you would have, yes. But you have people who go in there. Like, I don't think I've ever seen you ask Belichick a question in the post-game press conference. I could be wrong. Waste of time. Never. Told you. It's, you know what it feels like to me? is like, hey, look at me. I'm going to ask Belichick a question. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think these guys that go to the Belichick press conference just want to hear their voice heard on fifth quarter almost? I don't know. I, yeah. I, but, I mean, but they're like guys like, like, like Reese. Is, like, I don't think Reese is doing that. He's in there. Like, he, you, know, I, I, you know, I think Karin asks some questions sometimes, but I do think I, I, you know, I read a lot of these stories after the games, and I just kind of think, you know, why are you, why are you writing this? Like, what are you writing this for? That's what, if I was Art Martone or Rob, and to Rob's, you know, Rob's credit, I think he understands to some extent. Or these other guys, I'd say Joe Sullivan, I'd say, and Joe Sullivan is a fucking clue, obviously. He's a moron. But I'd say, who are you writing this for? Who are you writing this for? Are you writing it for yourself? Are you writing it so Twitter can say that you're smart and informed? Or you're writing it so people will read it. Yep. And if the answer is not C, then get the fuck out of here. I agree. I think it's it's sort of you know it's as a journalist, it's not the greatest feeling in the world to be writing all for clicks. But at the same time, it, that's what pays the bills and what what makes the company money is clicks. So you kind of have to right. have to toe the line. But and, you know, for every clickbaity story you write, you can write you know a feature about you know uh, Nate Solder or whatever. So I just think that these people don't really. Yeah, I mean, pull- that, that, that- that, that girl, that lady, uh, wrote a story, and they sold it this week. Yeah, Nora Princiati, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm sure it was very good. I mean, it's a terrible, 
Uh, not a terrible story, I should say that, because it seems like you know that, that, that family's got a lot of heart, and in a lot of ways it's inspirational. But it's, I mean, it's a, it's a very tragic situation they find themselves in. Uh, I didn't read it. I'm sure it was really well done, though. I mean, I think, and I think that's you know, I will say, here's, you want to get me on one? I actually wrote that down. I was like, you know, what, like, I like. I actually wanted to ask Brady, and I will at some point. Like, do you ever find yourself just as a human being, as a father, if Soldier does something that pisses you off? Before you yell at him or get it, do you ever think of him as a person? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, do you ever say to him, like, why, you know, oh, you know what, I get it. I, I get it. I got kids. I can't even imagine. Obviously, he's, he's not into it 100%. Who would be? I'm going to give him a pass on this one. You know, if he was Karis, say, right. would you give him more of a pass? Right. I should have asked that. That, I think, is a good question. Well, you, you can save that. I think that's not really a, a timely question. I, I think, honestly, no, that, no, no, that's no. one of the things that Brady might actually get into and actually give a long, in-depth, good answer. Maybe. Huh? Maybe. Yeah, we had Soldier and his wife and uh, Hunter. Is that right? I'm sorry. Hudson. 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 I'm sorry. Jeez. Hudson. Uh, not this year, but the year before at the Jimmy Fund. It's, it's totally heartbreaking. But, yeah, so that's that's one I should file away. But, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I asked Ken, Ken Laird when he was on the podcast. Who was kerosene, fa- kerosene Ken Laird? Yeah, Kerosene Ken Laird, who is uh, his favorite Friday football guest has been this year on Cardinal Ooh, I didn't hear this. I, I, I have a feeling without, without knowing. Ken... Kim will occasionally disagree with me, obviously. We've yeah. had many battles. Yep. But I would say the, the only answer is the star of the Comcast postgame show, Charles R. Weiss. You'd be correct. Double 87. Yes. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Well, yeah. in, until this week. Until now. Until right. this sure, week. Sure. What do you have planned for, for Friday for Steve? Well, the thing I like about Steve, do you know Steve at all or no? Not really. Okay. Are you like me and that, like, so I'll run into these people now occasionally, and they'll be like, I used to see you, and, like, you didn't talk at all. You were like, are you like that? Like, I didn't talk to anybody. No, I, was, I, I, was a, I have my select few that I'll talk to, and I'm not, I'm not really down there to, to oh, talk who's to in the, uh who's in the who's in the Hannibal the, Mafia? The young guys, the Giardis, the, the Perrys, Kevin Duffy. Giardis? Whoa, 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 whoa. Giardis young? Giardi acts young for his age, I guess I should say. He's kind of creepy like Bradford, right? Like well, I was going to say, I was going to say, Giardi, Karin, and, and Bradford all sort of fit in the same category. They're older, but they act younger. Right. Yes. Um, uh, so what I like about Steve is uh, after the game, he's not going to go do any, you know, not going to go in the locker room. He's not going to try and write. He just wants to talk to the coach. A couple football guys bullshitting. And he'll say to the coach, he'll say, Coach, uh, Tom Brady, uh, talk about that. I like that. That's the kind of questions I should be asking. So I think we're going to ask Steve to talk about things. That's all. It's the right approach. Me, he's a hardworking guy. I think he gets good answers. He's the guy to follow. I think. Well, I will say this: like we we played a bunch of questions from Steve-O the other day. His question is is uh, word answer uh, average from Belichick. I think is the highest in the media. I think everyone should be striving to be like this. So why is Belichick like? I'll ask you this. You've been around there for a few years now. A guy like Mike Reese, who I like a lot, by the way. He's a great guy. Yep. Works his ass off. You see, you're up there as well, which I appreciate. Jerry's know that as well. You want these guys tweeting right away during the interview. You're listening. You're up early. Reese is the same way. Does Reese after like a night game? He'll do this. Yep. Why does Belichick treat Reese like, like dirt? Like what is why? Why? Like for example, like why isn't he nicer to Reese than other people? I thought this. Reese got a, Reese got a fucking sweater for his grandkid. <laughs> 
I was thinking the same thing last week because he was a Belichick was a dick to Reese on, on one of the conference calls about I think about a penalty question, like a very innocent question about penalties. And I thought to myself, you know, Reese has been around the team longer than anyone else. Belichick has a you know a good decent relationship with him. So why you know go to work every day and just get shit on like that? Why why wouldn't you ever fight back? But to me, what's the end? What's the what's the value in sort of you know showing your displeasure? Like what would that get you? Oh, not no. Oh, from 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 Mike's angle, you mean? Yeah. Oh, nothing. No zero. No, no, no. Yeah, no zero from Mike's angle. I get that. I mean, you might want to blow off some steam once in a while, but I just don't get it from Bel. Like like Belichick doesn't have to give away the state secrets to Reese. I get that, but like he's a good guy. He worked hard. Clearly, like he's. I would say his coverage has been favorable, which you know it's hard to argue over the last you know seventeen years. But like, why is Belichick just do that to prove a point to everyone else? Like. If I'm a dick to him, I'll be a dick to you. Maybe I don't know. I think that's part of it. He did the same thing with Karen Garrigan after the game about the Brady taking out right. early question. So I mean, he could have very easily just said, you know, no. But I think to me, Belichick went on that rant to prove a point about you know just how his thoughts are on the subject. So sometimes when Belichick is a dick, maybe there's a, a backtone to it for his true feelings right. towards something else, regardless of the question. Right. Who are your fa- Who are your favorites that, down there when you, when you cover the team? Are you kind of a stay in your own? You didn't talk to anyone. Uh, well, I, no, I, I got to know Karen uh, at that point. Um, uh, Giardi a little bit. Karen. I actually liked Mary Palevi a lot. She was on Quick Slants with yep. Tom. Wait, uh, you know whatever, six, seven, eight years ago, whatever it was. Uh, Trags was around there. Um, who else was kicking? I mean, you know, it was kind of like. I didn't really. Jeff Howe was. I like Jeff. It was yeah. sort of. You know, but I didn't. I really totally skated my own lane. I would go. I was on that. I was on the third floor. I was on the. You know what I mean? I was on the floor where the food is. Oh, so we got upgraded then. We're we're up top. Now. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was. I was a third class citizen. And I, I'll be. I'm not gonna lie to you. I was like. I, I. I. Was already doing weekends. I was like. I can't get out of this fucking fast enough. If I'm doing this in 15 years. Uh, I'll, I'll fucking I'll, I'll jump off a bridge. I, I didn't want to do it, and it motivated me um, to do it. But I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, it just wasn't for me. It, it, some people can do it. Like I love Karen. She's and I've got you know I'm not close to her, but she's you know been very nice to me in the, in the past uh, year or so, and she's had her stuff as well. Yeah. And I really like her. It, but you have to be a different kind of person to be a beat writer. You just do. But football is a lot different than baseball. Like I don't know how Rob oh, does it. Oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Like, but, Rob, but Rob, but Rob, but Rob, but Rob doesn't have to do it the way he does it. Rob select, Rob chooses to do this. Rob could, could, could have his own schedule and work thirty games a year. Nobody would say anything to him. Nobody. He choose guys like Ian, and even like even I hate Pete Abe, but guys like Pete Abe, this is their choice. Capardo, Silverman, they, they don't choose that. They have to do it. Rob doesn't have to do it. Rob is a man who has accomplished some things. He discovered me, and is, is that, it, is that the, the most accomplished he's ever? The biggest accomplishment. Well, I mean, if you're him, do you think he brings that up in contract negotiations? I would. <laughs> and he uh, and he is a guy who is creating parody Twitter accounts. A grown man, a grown man, is creating Ken Laird parody Twitter accounts that has seven followers. I mean, that's the work of that is the work. If he turned out to be a serial killer and they did one of these like Dateline episodes, that'd be one of those things where you said, you know what, at the time I should have realized he's lost his fucking mind. We can all agree on that. Before before well, I let, let me. No, no, no. I, I want I want one more thing. By the way, this is all staying, correct? Absolutely, yes. I want your uh, forget the quality of the podcast because I know a lot. I want you your Ryan Hannibal scorecard, Muck versus Bradford. Ooh, see, I, I was ten nine mutt. Ten nine mutt. 
Yeah, Rob seemed a little rattled. I, I'm going the opposite. I thought Mutt was rattled. Oh, there we go. First, first, first of all, I don't know how how you let them go for an hour and a half. After like 45 minutes, I was like, there's 45 more minutes to this. Nothing nothing makes me happier than two morons fighting with each other about nothing. That's my That's, favorite thing in the world. And what exactly got resolved? Nothing. The, the show's nothing. at, at nine, 9 o'clock Zero. instead of 8 o'clock? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I did think but that was... It showed, it showed how sensitive but, Mutt was with the whole page and a half of notes. I was just how prepared he is. Yeah, but like you have to think about all this stuff. It can't just come to you on your oh, head. Hold on. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Be fair, though. Your boss spent an hour and a half before that another podcast talking about it. Yes, but that's the thing that I think Mutt doesn't understand. He didn't come into that podcast wanting to rip Mutt and talk about Mutt. That just came up. Oh, bullshit. But what, bullshit. What, what was Rob supposed to do? Stop the podcast and, and call Mutt up and say, come down from Chelmsford where we're talking no, no, about no, you? No, 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 no. But Robert, Rob said, Rob went in with this uh, Nick Nick Fryer, right? Yep. Nick Fryer, they went in there. Rob's like, oh, we're going to talk about the GM meetings, but it just turned into the, like, that's bullshit. You're not buying that. Rob went in with a clear, he wanted to talk about the Huntsville show. I don't think so. Like, oh, I, I could come, be, Ryan, come on, come on, come on, come on. Why would he, have, why would he have Nick Fryer in to do that then? Because Nick Fryer is a, you heard him. Did you think Nick Fryer came across like a real voice He was Team Bradfoe for sure. Yeah, he brought in one of his guys, Rob, as he's, you're one of them. DJ Bean was one of them. Hell, I was one of them. Uh, this, this, this kid from Nesson, Esteban Loaiza. Oh, yes, one of them. number one pick in the media game. Bad pick, by right, the way. Nick, Nick, Nick Fryer is one of them. Uh, uh, there's other people. Rob Briggs and these people who are just starting the business who don't know any better. Mikey Grinelli, he tries to like turn them into like Bradford guys. It's his, it's his move. It's very strange. It's almost cultish in a way. But you you didn't think Mutt came across as childish and oh, insecure? Of course. of course. All right. Oh yeah, no, they both did. I'm, I'm giving it ten nine Mutt for preparation and the fact that Rob Rob played it wrong. Rob, Rob was mad. I was in the room with him. He's mad, but he's trying to play like he wasn't mad. Just release the anger. Let it go. Let well, it out. Why Why did Mutt block Rob on Twitter? You know any of this? Well, I am not one to block people in petty moves never, on Twitter. Never, never. You never do that. I, I'm not the, like if you're asking me did like I tell Mutt to do that. I think that's what you're asking, and I think that's that's really insulting. I would never tell Mike Manansky to do anything. I certainly wouldn't tell him to do that. And I was really surprised when Rob called me about 90 seconds after it happened. How many times a day do you think Rob refreshes? What is Rob refreshing more for followers? The Kerosene Ken Twitter account or the WEI Typos account? No, I think it's his own account. He's very concerned with his mentions. What uh, in this website meeting from a couple of days ago? My sources tell me the typos guy was brought up in the meeting. Uh, it was mentioned. It wasn't a big topic. It was just you know the guy does does ourselves a favor. We should appreciate the favor that he does, and let's just you know make our make like, does make you, does you more favor does you more favors than anybody? Jesus Christ, get your shit together. I, no. What I, was the uh, what was the what was the what was the main point of this of this meeting? Uh, I think just a typical call meeting to get everyone together. We really don't, really don't get to meet all the time because we're all doing different things. And I think just, you know, ideas to make the website better. I understand Alex Reamer told me that uh, Ty Anderson said if it wasn't for Gary Tangway, Ty Anderson would be part of the casting coach on Kirk and Callahan. That was a direct quote. Uh, no, I, I do not think that came up. I know, I know that Ty does not like Gary Tangway. Ty Anderson insane? Well, like, he seems like a nice kid, but like, like Jerry doesn't know who that is. Like, there's, there's a lot of steps before that would ever happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Ty's Ty's a good kid. I think that he's, I think he's working on a podcast of his own, a, a hockey podcast, 
to get his, oh, get his right. get his voice out there. Um, why would they? Why would anybody listen to that? Well, I think he has a good point. There aren't any hockey podcasts in you know. Yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason why there's no appetite for it. Well, if it's, if he has a good one, then it's a good one. But to his credit, he's trying to get his name out there. And I think that's the the first way to do it. So I, I can't fault him. I, you don't rip anybody at the website. It's the old Bradford motto. Like he used to get mad at me because I would shit up people at the website on the air while I was still at the website and get mad. I'm like why? Who cares? This shit. I, I understand. I, I understand. I understand. But I'm I'm Team Bradford. So am I. I love the guy. You know that. All right, enough about me. Do you have anyone coming up? Uh, we're got a couple of things right now for next Thursday. We have one with Jack McCallum that I taped last week. Save, um, save that. In, what do you mean? No one wants to listen to that. Well, how do you know that? Because I, I don't. Well, like, I don't care what you want to listen to. I mean, once in a while, as I, what, they can't, all of them can't be like, all right, let's bring in my brothers. Okay, let's do a mailbag. Okay, let's talk about my parents. Okay, let's bring in Ron. Like, you know, or maybe, maybe... Maybe I should just embrace and say, you know what? They're all just going to be drama-filled, gossipy things every two weeks. You I think? Th- Maybe. I think that's not a bad approach. People like it, so why not? I don't know. I don't know how the I don't know how the Bradfoe Mutt numbers did, but I mean, I, I think. Oh, I don't. Yeah, it was a bad week. All my brothers. All my brothers actually did very well, which surprised me. But Pe- the, um, but the, uh, you know, that's what season tickets do. And Chris Casper, my favorite podcast, gets a lot of gossip, down and dirty every week. They had a big guest today. I don't know if you caught it. To catch Ooh. Devin McCourty. They did have Devin McCourty on. Yeah, big get today. Finally. I'm sure that was fascinating. Sure. I like, by the way, Gasper's a nice, if you met Chris, he's a very nice Yeah, really, really I, I feel bad. I feel bad that I shit on him, but that's life. He works for that fucking rag for that asshole Joe Sullivan. That better stay in. All right. I think that's a good, a good way to end it. All right. We'll talk to you next week, Kirk. Who's up next? Fourier. Oh, Christ. Uh, is he there now? No. We already recorded it. Oh. What? Yeah. How was that? You talk about Dwayne Allen again? No, no Dwayne Allen. We talked about uh, his feud with Brock Heward. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard to believe that Brock Heward might be the biggest asshole on that show. Is that it, possible? I don't. I know. It's kind of hard to believe. Hard to believe. Yeah, we we got in, right. got into that. It was it was good. It's it's worth the listen. All right. All right. Goodbye. Bye, Kirk. So, Christian, I heard on the the pregame show this week that you're not a big fan of, of Brock Heward. Yeah. <laughs> That's your first question. I, I, it stood out to me over the weekend. I want to get to the bottom of it. Let's 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 hear why. Well, I, you know, listen. I like my quarterbacks a little rough around the edges, a little, uh, you know, a little more down to earth, uh, just a, a little more salty. Uh, that's the type of guy, the quarterback that I like. Mm. Uh, Brock, I, just to me, it seems like for a guy that didn't really accomplish much kind of felt like he had taken his, you know, college success and, like, automatically, like, parlayed it into the to the Seahawks, and I just wasn't buying it. I just wasn't buying it. I didn't see it, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and, I, and I hated the way he threw the football. I hated it more than anything. Lefty, always kind of flowing away, always, like, on a, on a rope. It was just, you may think I'm crazy, but some quarterbacks throw an easier pass to catch. Right, like everything isn't a live or die situation with with the with the football, and uh, I just didn't think he had much touch. How many years did you spend with him? I don't remember. I honestly I don't remember. Um, not very memorable, right? But yeah, um, not saying that you know that he's a he's not. I'm sure he's a great guy and people love him. But like my quarterback's got to drink some beer, got to want to get his hands dirty, got to want to fight. You know, like that just type of mentality. I don't know. I just didn't feel he had it, you know, but that's me. 
Who was your favorite quarterback that you played with? Well, I mean, you take out Brady, right? Right. You take him out because that's the obvious. Um, but I really liked um, um, well, Warren Moon was <laughs> the other guy I liked. Uh, you guys and, played together? Uh, yeah, I played together. Like, uh, I played, that's why I can easily relate to Brady playing into his 40s because Warren did it. When I, when I played with him in Seattle, he had one of his best years when he was over 40. I think he was like 41 or 40, something like that. Yeah. Uh, he played great. You know, um, but he just—he was just really smart. He was accurate. He was a great leader. Uh, he really knew what he was doing. Um, yeah, I love Moore. I mean, he, and he was fun to hang out with, right? I mean, hang out with anybody. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was a great situation. Patrick Chung on the afternoon show yesterday said that Malcolm Butler talks the most trash on the field on the Patriots. Who was the the teammate of yours that talked the most trash? Oh man, jeez, uh, I don't really know. I can't put a finger on it exactly who it is because I man, you should have warned me with this one. I could have given you an answer. Um, Any, anyone know. that talked trash? Yeah, I don't even. I don't. I can't even remember. You know what I thought was always crazy. Um, he didn't necessarily um, – John Randall. Yeah. Played with John Randall also. I forgot all about this. Um, he was insane. Like, and even like when he would warm up in the locker room, he'd paint his face and, you know, he'd, he'd go to like the, the sauna and he'd like get a good ladder in the sauna and he'd be doing his hand movements. And, and then I would just watch him like while he was on defense. He was constantly talking. I don't even know if he was even – even when the team was in the huddle, he was talking. I don't know who he was talking to, but he would he would just be yapping away the entire time. The quietest guy, easily, was Walter Jones, Hall of Fame left tackle. Never said a damn word. Never, never, ever, ever. Even when you were doing combo blocks with him, and he needed you needed like some sort of more verbal agreement, he wouldn't say anything. Yeah, he, he, you know, he just. Nothing. And I remember complaining about it. They're like, dude, you have to say okay or something. And it got to the point where, like, I knew if I was on his side blocking or doing some sort of combo block that we, I would just have to know. I would just, be able, I would just have to see it like he saw it, you know, and that's the only way we could work together. Isn't that weird for offensive linemen? Aren't they usually the crazy loud ones? Well, it's funny, like, some of them are just the nature of, of the position kind of like, leads you to believe that they're the most, like, you know, wild of the group. He wasn't. I mean, uh, for the most part, he was, like, he was a pacifist, man. He wasn't, like, he was aggressive when he needed to be. Um, and he was, like, really quiet and just, you know, soft-spoken. You know, he had a really funny chuckle. But other than that, he didn't say anything. I want to ask you one question about the Patriots at a long term. Um, who is the player you think they can least afford to lose Besides Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Oh, God. All right. It's tough. The guy that they can least afford. Why? Well, I, you know, listen, I like my quarterbacks a little rough around the edges, a little, uh, you know, a little more down to earth, uh, just a, a little more salty. Uh, that's the type of guy, the quarterback that I like. Mm. Uh, Brock, I just, to me, it seems like for a guy that didn't really accomplish much, kind of felt like he had taken his, you know, college success and, like, automatically, like, parlayed it into the to the Seahawks, and I just wasn't buying it. I just wasn't buying it. I didn't see it, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and, I, and I hated the way he threw the football. I hated it. 
more than anything. Lefty, always kind of flowing away, always like on a on a rope. It was just, you may think I'm crazy, but some quarterbacks throw an easier pass to catch, right? Like everything isn't a live or die situation with, with, the, with the football, and uh, I just didn't think he had much touch. How many years did you spend with him? I don't remember. I honestly I don't remember. Um, not very memorable, right? But yeah, yeah. Um, not saying that you know that he's a he's not. I'm sure he's a great guy and people love him. But like my quarterback's got to drink some beer, got to want to get his hands dirty, got to want to fight. You know, like that just type of mentality. I don't know. I just didn't feel he had it. You know, but that's me. Who was your favorite quarterback that you played with? Well, I mean, you take out Brady, right? Right. You take him out because that's obvious. Um, but I really liked um, um, well, Warren Moon was the other guy I liked. Uh, you guys and, played together? Uh, yeah, I played together. Like, uh, I played, That's why I can easily relate to Brady playing into his 40s because Warren did it. When I, when I played with him in Seattle, he had one of his best years when he was over 40. I think he was like 41 or 40, something like that. Yep. Uh, he played great. You know, um, but he just—he was just really smart. He was accurate. He was a great leader. Uh, he really knew what he was doing. Um, uh, yeah, I love Warren. I mean, he, and he was fun to hang out with, right? I mean, hang out with anybody. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was a great situation. Yep. Patrick Chung on the afternoon show yesterday said that Malcolm Butler talks the most trash on the field on the Patriots. Who was the the teammate of yours that talked the most trash? Oh, man. Jeez, uh, I don't really know. I can't put a finger on it exactly who it is. Cause I, man, you should have warned me with this one. I could have given you an answer. Um, Any, anyone know. that talked trash. Yeah, I don't even, I don't, I can't even remember. You know what I thought was always crazy? Um, he didn't necessarily, um, John Randall. Yeah. Played with John Randall also. I forgot all about this. Um, he was insane. Like, and even like when he would warm up in the locker room, he'd paint his face and you know he'd, he'd go to like the, the sauna and he'd like get a good ladder in the sauna and he'd be doing his hand movements and and then I would just watch him like while he was on defense he was constantly talking. All right, Rich, we're asking everybody this week who on the Patriots would you least afford to lose, not including Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. That's a really tough question, only because I think they could overcome any other injury. Like, we've seen so many. The fact that they've made it this far and look as good as they are, and they're the favorite without Edelman and Hightower, who I think probably would have been my answers, like, before. If you asked me this question at the beginning of the year, the right. same one, I'd probably put those guys. So, I think even though Gilmore has looked a lot better the last few weeks, I'm going to go with Malcolm Butler, just because I think he's the next best player. I know he's been kind of up and down this year, but I think if you just took him out completely, you know, Gilmore... Batamosi, who who's looked decent when he's been given the opportunity, and Jonathan Jones is, is is good, but I think you just need all those guys. Like you need yeah. as many good corners as possible, especially if you're talking about playing the Steelers or whatever offense comes out of the NFC. So now, even with saying that, like if Butler yeah. got hurt, I think they could overcome it. But I right. just think he's probably the next best player, so I'd put him down. I'm going the other side of the ball, Danny Amendola. Really S- sneaky tough. 
I think, you know, you look at all the, he doesn't have a ton of characters compared to Cooks and, and Hogan yeah. and White, but it's the way that he does it. It seems like every third down, Brady goes his way. I think I looked up 30% of his catchers were on third downs to pick up first downs. So mm. I think he's just so important to the offense. And obviously if Hogan comes back and he's back to what he was at the beginning of the year, I think it's a, a moot point with Amendola. But I just think that he's he's sneaky important. He No, he definitely is. I mean, he's also returning punts still, yeah, which that, I kind of wish that he wouldn't, but, too, but he is doing we that. Saw in the, in yeah. the years past how important that is. Yeah, right. They they need him to do that. And you're right, he does seem to come up with a few big catches. And I think really kind of underrated with Amendola is how big he's been in the playoffs. Yep. You know, over his career with the Patriots, he might be real quiet. The numbers in the regular season don't jump out at you. So that that is a pretty good one. Because I was, I was looking at the running backs, and I was thinking, well, if you lost Deion Lewis... Well, you still got the other guys, and now you could activate Gillisley. Right. And so, if any one of the any one of those guys went down, I think he'd be fine. We've seen him play a bunch of games without Hogan, Cooks. I thought of, but then you said, well, you still you still have Gronk in this scenario. You still yeah. have the other receivers, so it's tough. We've even seen him play without their center and their right tackle. Like they've really right. been tested. Uh, Van Noy has stepped up and, and yeah. maybe been in the conversation. Maybe some people would say McCordy. Uh, just you know, but I'm. I, I don't I don't mind the Amendola one. I think that's a good one. I'm going to stick with Butler just because of how important that position happens to be. But man, there's a lot of guys, and they've they've lost a bunch of them this year. It seems like they've they've played so many games without uh, like the real starting lineup that they would want to put out there. Yeah, I, I've talked today. I think the one thing that could prevent this team from going to the Super Bowl is injuries. And I think that they're, you know, teetering that line of, you know, even they, I mean, they lost five players on Sunday. They weren't big names, but they're just starting to add up and they're starting to, you know, dip into these these depth guys which, yeah, they have good depth, but when you lose your depth guys, then what? Yeah. So, I mean, they can afford to, to lose a couple more, but I just think that if they, you know, lose, you know, one or two more guys going down the road, they could run into trouble. Yeah, no, they absolutely could. It becomes an issue of just all right now the quantity of players that are hurt rather than just strictly the quality. It's it, you can't just say, well, you got Brady and Belichick. It's like, well, no, if you're down to your fourth linebacker right. and your third top receiver, and and just the the trickle down effect is is pretty mesmerizing. And it you know it was maybe a good thing in a weird way. You know, if you were going to lose Edelman, if you're going to lose Hightower, do it earlier in the year, and so now you can adjust because if they lost. You know Edelman last game of the season. Now the playoffs start, and you don't have them. Right. Then, then you're really in trouble. They'd be really scrambling. Now they're they're used to it. The guys have sort of figured out what their roles are. Yeah. Where, where are you now with the Patriots and the rest of the AFC? Are you them and the Steelers? That's yeah, it. I can't I can't make a good argument for anybody else. You know the Chiefs looked so good early on, and now they look so bad since. I don't like anybody in the South. Yep. Like I know the Jaguars' defense, like the numbers are good, and, right. and they are good. The defense is good, but it's still Blake Bortles. Yep. Tennessee's not ready. The rest of the AFC East is bad. The North, with really the exception of the Steelers, is bad. So it's funny because the NFC might be five deep, oh, maybe six deep, and the AFC is definitely – like if it was anybody other than New England or Pittsburgh, I'd be shocked going to the oh, Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you look at the numbers that the Patriots go up against the Steelers, and they've won four straight games. They crush them. Five out of the last six. And I think I looked up going back to 20, 2007, Brady has thrown 25 touchdowns, passes to no interceptions against the Steelers. Something crazy like oh, that. Oh, he, he kills them. It's like it's like it's similar to like the Jack Del Rio stats. Yeah. Like He just absolutely dominates the Steelers, and that's why – Everybody say, "Oh, the game week fifteen, you know, the winner will have home field." And yeah. yeah, that's nice, but it doesn't really seem to matter for the Patriots. For the they Patriots seem really to own the Steelers. But for the on the flip side, the Steelers they need to win that game. Yeah, I mean, I in think New England, they, they would have zero chance yeah. coming up here. No, I agree with that. And I don't know. I guess 
the defense is better for the Steelers. What's so different from them yeah. from a year ago? It's still a lot of the same guys. It's obviously Tomlin, it's Roethlisberger, it's Antonio Brown, who's right. unbelievable, Le'Veon Bell. But the Patriots have been able to contain those guys in the past. And even even in games they've put up numbers, they've still been able to to beat them. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. The defense has been an issue. They even talked about it. I remember last year at the end of the year, oh, we're going to do things differently. We're gonna we're not just going to throw the same stuff. We're not just going to blitz Brady all the time. All right, we'll see. Because it seems like they've been really stubborn now for years. They've seen the tape. They've been on the field with Brady, and yet they have not figured him out yet at all. What's your thoughts on Tomlin's style as, as looking ahead? Do you, do you like it? I guess in the media, do you like it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so different. Like, we're yeah. so used to one week at a time, one week at a time, and, you know, talking up the worst team in the league. Like, they could be playing the Niners or the Browns next week, and we'd hear all about how, well, their left guard is actually, like, a lot better than you think, and their Great. punter. Yeah, all this stuff. You'd hear all about that. So Tomlin's doing it more like a fan would do it or more like a media member would do it. And I don't think – and actually, uh, Mutt and I talked about this on the radio the other night about – Clearly, Belichick's success you can't argue with, and it's if you compare any coach to Belichick, Belichick's just better than like right. you can't find it. And so, but that doesn't mean the style is the only way that works, right? Because we've seen other coaches, even guys from Belichick's coaching tree, try to go on and do it similar to him, and it fails. It's just not the so. I think you have to sort of be yourself. And Tomlin's had success. Maybe he could have had more, but he's won a Super Bowl, and so. Yeah, we don't we don't we're not used to seeing coaches do that kind of thing. I mean, Rex Ryan tried it for a little bit, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Like I think I think you can have success being the more cocky guy, the guy who's willing to talk about injuries, the guy who's willing to look ahead a few weeks. It's just the the big takeaway I have for Tomlin is you just set yourself up to look so stupid yeah. because if you're talking about the week 15 game and then you lose week 14, mm-hmm. how can you possibly spin it that you weren't looking ahead and that your full attention was well, on that? Also in that week 14 game, they played Baltimore. So it's not like it's a, a, huge it's a, game. It's not like it's a layup game. Right. So that's a good point. You're, you're setting yourself up to fail when you don't have to. And when you say you should win the Super Bowl, yeah. again, like as, a, as the head coach of the team, and now I guess he has more job security than most because the Steelers just don't fire coaches. Right. Like They just have their coaches forever. Um, but if you're saying you should win the Super Bowl, then you don't. Like, they could just throw that right back in your face. Like, you right. told us you should win the Super Bowl. You told everybody you should, so why didn't you? And then you have to, what, start making excuses or something? So it's just you would you – would, I don't know why you'd want to put that kind of target on your back. Also, I think that Tomlin's style works because of the players that he has. Like, I don't know if Belichick's yeah. style can necessarily work with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. I, I just don't think their their personalities would necessarily mesh. I, like, I, like, think, I don't think Belichick wants his guys to not miss to not go to training camp and then show up and say, hey, I'm ready to play. Yeah, no, I think there, there'd be a certain shelf life with those guys. Like, we've seen, like, Randy Moss was unbelievable. Like, could not have been better for one year. The second year, I almost cut him some slack because Brady wasn't there. Right. Then the next thing you know, he's gone. Like Corey Dillon was amazing, then gone. Like like even Martellus Bennett. Now he's a sort of a side yeah. thing now because he's back with the injury. But there are players like that that I think he'd be willing to bring in, but he wouldn't be with them for ten plus years, fifteen years. I don't think. Yeah. All right, three straight road games between your uh, you're in studio for three weeks. Yes. No more shed. No for shed. We had a great shed show uh, last week, but we're going to be back in. Yeah, three straight home games, including the uh, or road games. I mean, including the Monday nighter. So I think we'll have even a bonus show on that Monday. Looking forward to uh, Pat's Dolphins two. So squish the fish. That's We're gonna right. be ready to go for that one. That's right. All right. Thanks a lot, Rich. Talk Thank to you. Next week. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.